High Vibe Nation is live. Welcome to the High Vibe Nation, where we have set out to raise the vibration of every human being on the planet. Your hosts on this journey are Sherry Gideons and Pamela Aubrey. So let's join them now in their current interview with a high vibing individual. Hello and welcome to the High Vibe Nation, the number one positive media show focused on raising the vibe of the planet, a space for you to remember the power within you. It's a love revolution. I'm your host, Sherry Gideons, and this is my co-host, Pamela Aubrey. Welcome, everyone. As always, such a joy to be with you and a joy as well to have Reverend Michael McMorrow with us this evening. He's a leader in blue collar spirituality. And after 30 years in the construction industry, he built a successful building contractor business in the Southern California area, which he made the laboratory in which he proved the principles of conscious living. He stumbled upon religious science in October of 2000. He is now the spiritual director for CSL Granada Hills, where he has served since September 2009. He loves building spiritual community that is inclusive, respectful, and sustainable. Mike is a big fan of working with people everywhere and works diligently to help others realize the idea that there is power for good in the universe available to everyone to use and that joy is a natural expression of the divine as spiritual living. So we are so excited to have you with us, Reverend Mike. Welcome. There I am. There he is. That's like magic. There you are. Grand country where you can appear from nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> like a genie well, in a bottle. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, it's great to be here. And I'm feeling so high vibrationally right now. Good boy. Love it. Love it. Well, and as you know, on this show, we love to talk about being high vibe. So tell us what that means to you to be high vibe. Uh, yeah, you know, I've been kind of kicking this one around. So it kind of depends. Uh, maybe it depends on how caffeinated I am. <laughs> but you know what I really kind of feel like is high vibe is like a soaring guitar solo, like a real blue solo. So a cross between that but yet at the same time it can just kind of be a chill kind of thing where you're just uh comfortable in your own skin you're feeling connected with life you're with people who you love being with or you might be by yourself right so, um it's just um it's a it's that sweet spot of life that um that we all want to hang out in that's what i think yeah. And then, of course, in the old days, I used to get there with enhancements, but now I do it <laughs> on the match. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I love the most about you, Rev Mike, is you say it how it is. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I'm getting up there now. So I'm, I'm a child of the 70s. Well, so. you got to be yourself. You got to be yourself. So let's talk about this amazing book that you've just released. Blue Collar Spirituality, Finding a God That Works. And of course, the timing, I mean, let's talk about the timing, COVID-19 and of all the books to write. Tell us a little bit about that and how it came about to be published right now. Well, uh, I'm delighted that you think it's amazing. Uh, maybe I should just let you talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but uh, you know, it's a, it was an interesting book to write. It's had a couple of iterations. I actually started after the, the meltdown of the, of uh, 2008. And, and I had been observing for some time that, uh, you know, white collars, you know, it used to be blue collar workers. Every time interest rates clicked up a quarter of a point, we were all scrambling trying to find a job. Right. Right. And so kind of the, the, the old blue collar story was about being in and out of work. And, um, and now, uh, and then white collar workers were just, they were out on the street with the rest of us. And so I was observing this and, and wanting to write something that was uplifting and, and encouraging folks to hang in there and so forth. Uh, but I got to tell you, I, I just kind of wrote myself into a corner and, and I gave it to someone to look at and they marked it all up with red ink and size out the hell with this. I threw it in the trash can because they gave me back an English project and I had no interest in that. <laughs> so I went to, to a writer's, uh, boot camp with uh, Jim Terrell, Dr. Jim Terrell. And, and so he, with, with their system, you know, he has a partner named Lee Pound. And so the book kind of wrote its way on the inside out. And so we're before where I was speaking and trying to describe what blue collar spirituality is. Uh, this time I spoke from blue collar spirituality uh, with years and years now in ministry mm. and um because I, I love i love working people i know what it is to bust your ass hard and not have much to show for it mm -hmm. i was one of those people and i stumbled upon the uh, a, a philosophy uh known as uh, religious science and it helped me to to see my life in a different way and to um, find, uh, I, I had a sense of a power because I grew up in religion and all that. So I didn't really have an issue with the G word so much, but, um, but I kind of felt like maybe uh, God had an issue with me because uh, like I say that, there were 10 commandments and I had fun breaking most of them. So I, I thought there might be an issue there with a traditional church, but, uh, but actually I just kind of found myself stuck. Mm -hmm. So this book is about um, what I'm hoping it will do. Uh, even though it's written to men, um, it's been mostly women who have um, bought it so far and have commented on so far. And so what they're telling me is that it's for anyone with a busy life could benefit from the book. Mm -hmm. Because what I do is I try to describe the pro the, uh, the challenges that life has within it and, and what we add to those challenges and uh, that it can be overwhelming and that there's only one way out of that. And that's just to kind of take time to kind of, sort everything out mm -hmm. and then you have to start doing things differently right so you guys talk about this uh a lot on this channel right so but you know it's it's not enough if all you do is just get some positive vibrations and just oh yeah give me some but you don't do any of the work 
to cast off all the ballast and all the old BS that you've been hanging on to, then those good vibes, they, they just kind of reflect off instead of, of uh, being absorbed and becoming part of who we are so that then we are, we are the generators and the, and the radiators of these good vibes because now we are being uh, authentic. And in the case of men, right? So we're, we're no longer afraid of our vulnerability that, uh, we, uh, that we're, um, I think what it is, is that, well, my, my hope in the way that I've written the book is because I don't talk about God stuff until the last couple of chapters. I don't know if you noticed that, yeah. but, and then I, and I just talk about the power of thought. But, you know, it's one thing to say I'm going to change the way I think, but it's actually not that easy. I don't think it hasn't been for me. And so this is where the cosmic power comes in. Right. Find tapping into source as you understand it. The Holy Spirit, Christ consciousness, uh, Buddha mind, however, you know, higher power, however, you know it to be. And to use that infinite well source of uh, uh, to help anchor the first the new thinking and then with the new thinking the new acting and then with the new acting a new life right, right. and then it's amazing because then you do start to see this law of attraction thing starts to kick in and then you, you do start pulling to you the things that you need as as you discard the things that no longer serve you right and um and to embrace and to focus more of our thought on what it is that we want to see realized in our life. Right. Right. Uh, so this takes a lot of conscious effort in the beginning, but with practice, you just kind of find that your life unfolds that way. Uh, and then our, the way that we react with life just changes in many different ways. Mm -hmm. So, that's I what I tried to do in the book. I don't know if I've hit all that, but that's what I was attempting to do. I think this is so helpful because I think there are so many people struggling with exactly what you're talking about right now. This idea of how do we start to shed the old? We know we have to make these changes. We're transitioning. You know, the world is transitioning. And so how do you suggest people start to, you know, shed that old stuff that isn't serving them anymore? Yeah, well, that is the big question, isn't it? So, so the first thing that I had to learn how to do, and you know, this is my path, is I had to put the plug in the jug because, <laughs> because I would think about how effed up my life is, and it was like, <laughs> which after a few years of that, of course, you've really made things worse. But you know, in the beginning, it seems to work actually, right? Because mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and, and I started out as, as uh, since you live up in Idaho, I started out as a pothead. <laughs> you are, but, uh, but that's what I started out. And if, and if you're a procrastinator by nature, right, then smoking weed is like throwing kerosene on a campfire, right? And, <laughs> but, but I discovered whiskey and that would just like shut everything down. But then the cure became the problem. Mm -hmm. So so there has to be some element of that because we are talking about a mental science. Mm -hmm. So, so we have to, and we can also use this infinite power, of course, to get that calmed down. And I'm not saying people have to give it all up. I'm just saying you have to kind of 
fast on it, I suppose. You have to go on a weed fast. <laughs> but not the kind of fast where you're doing weed all the time, the, you know, the kind of fast where, where you're putting it down, right? And so because what we're wanting to do is we don't want to fix on stuff outside ourselves. Right. There's yeah. a whole lot of things in that arena, right? Mm -hmm. But we don't know what we don't know until we know right. it. So, right. so I think it kind of starts with there and then to just find, you know, I call it quiet time, just find 10 minutes. It doesn't have to be in the morning. You don't have to be Yogananda. You don't have to be a big guru. You just need to take some 10 minutes and do it consistently. And just really, all you got to do is just, and it sounds so simple and so boring, but just pay attention to the breath in the nostril. Mm -hmm. That's it for 10 minutes and set the timer so that you're not always going, what time is it now? What time is it now? What time is it now? <laughs> because you will. Right. And yeah. you'll be surprised, man. You go to sit down like that and all of a sudden, you know, you think you're pretty calm and all of a sudden the mind is a very, very busy place. <laughs> But so, but 10 minutes and, and what will happen is if you do that consistently, where you'll see the benefit, actually, I talk about this in the book is when you, when you skip a day or two and then you find yourself kind of all knotted up in the middle of the day and like, geez, what the heck's going on? And then you realize, oh, I, I didn't have my quiet time today. Mm -hmm. Right. So. So I think that's the simplest thing. If you can find something uplifting that um, that uh, yeah, there's just all kinds of stuff out there right now. Uh, just some little bit of Mark. Mark Nepo has a book out called The Awakening Heart. Now, if you're a hard ass dude, I wouldn't go there yet because it's really kind of softy hearted things. I, I don't want you to get too discouraged. Yeah, I don't want you to get scared and think that's where you're going to end up. But you know what? You're flocked because that's basically what's going to happen. But yeah. this, this is how, this is, this is the key to living our most effective life, mm -hmm. right? Particularly for men, mm -hmm. because men really have not been given permission to be soft. Mm -hmm. And we're not soft with each other until we get older. But that's because we're afraid of getting beat up. <laughs> yeah. No, it's no, it's like we're no, it's not that. It's just a, it's this idea that we cease fighting everyone and everything, right? Mm -hmm. so you get a little life experience, and you're like, oh man, you know, I never liked being that dickhead when I was that dickhead. Mm -hmm. So I can now consciously choose to not be that way. Now, I have to say that I did not set out to be that way. I, I knew that I had a temper and I knew that I could be aggro. And I, when I put the, when I quit drinking, right, then I, you know, the anger thing was just you know, like, it was just right there before I could kind of tamp it down. And now, you know, here I am. Let's go find something to mess with. And which is great in Southern California where you're getting cut off in traffic every 30 seconds. Right. But, but, but even then I wasn't really living in a conscious way, but even then I knew enough to go, you know, this is not going to get me, you know, what I want is a sense of serenity. Mm -hmm. Right. So it wasn't enough now to be making a living 
and I got the IRS off my back. And a lot of the things that had, uh, you know, the wheels had kind of fallen off, you know, so now I'm in my early thirties and, um, and that wasn't enough. You know, the stuff was coming back, but I was still, I could still be a jerk. Mm-hmm. And the, oddly, the part of what made me a jerk was that, you know, I, I, and it, it, I re- this didn't really happen until I got into my 40s and 50s, which is kind of embarrassing to say, but I never made peace with the sensitive side of myself mm-hmm. because I always felt like I was a big wuss, right? right? But you're not a wuss. The thing is, you know, what you find out is that it takes so much courage, so much more courage to be soft hearted and vulnerable. And, and not in that Friday night kind of closing time kind of way. <laughs> but well, in, real, in real life, right? When that's what I love the most about you. The most about you is, is that you explain everything in simple terms. And you really put yourself out there. And it's just like in the book, when I read the first chapter, you, you use all these metaphors, the carpenter metaphors throughout the entire book so that you're really helping people to understand the basics of thought and how to use it. Like, for example, you talk about concrete and the struggle and then and you use that as a perfect medical metaphor for life. And then you talk about setting the foundation and setting the form and how we spread the concrete and the concrete hardens and we set up the struggle and the mediocrity in our own mind. And, and then you, you go in, in this first chapter and you talk about that there's a power available to all of us and, and that it'll point the way towards success with spiritual principles. And I really want you to share with people some of these spiritual principles that our audience may not know about. Well, so part of it from, for, so I'm just going to speak about my own path, mm-hmm. right? Because I want to be respectful of other faith traditions. Sure. Right? So I came out of Catholicism. And there are things about Catholicism that I deeply love. I'm a Jesus guy. I love Jesus, right? You know, I, I'm agnostic about the resurrection and some of the other Armageddon stuff that, you know, people like to use as a branding thing but you know i'm on the fence about that stuff but as far as jesus and being uh you know the um and an ethical teaching mm-hmm. there's a lot in christian thought about how to think rightly as paul talked about to be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind and so what what i played around with was uh I was studying a guy named Ernest Holmes who developed a philosophy called religious science, which is not Scientology, which is why we rebranded our teaching to Centers for Spiritual Living, because we got tired of asking that question. But I digress. So so Holmes asked this question, and it's kind of a deep one. It's subtle, but it's deep. What What if God, as you know it to be, what if God is good and only good? No judgment, not and not God being good like a, a parental, like a human being will be when your kids disappoint you and you know you give them the 
Not that I would ever do that to a child, but you know, you get on them, right? Right. Uh, and at the same time, I don't, you know, I, I, you guys are both parents, I think, right? Of course. Right. Yeah. So do you remember that? Like, I remember when I was a new father and my son was beginning to walk and, you know, he's starting to take his first steps and I would just follow behind him, but I would let him fall because mm -hmm. I knew he had to learn how to fall in order to learn how to walk. And that was like, even as uh, an, an agnostic, almost out the door to atheist at the time, I remember thinking, wow, I wonder if that's how the spirit works. Now, I don't think about it that way so much, but I do think about the idea that God is good and only good. Well, then what about all the evil that we see in the world? Well, I look out there in the outer world and I see that that's human beings being asleep, being ignorant, either willfully ignorant or they just don't know any better. Right? right. So, and then of course, now we know more than first century peoples. Uh, and we know there's all kinds of brain things going on. And, uh, you know, we now know that there's such a thing as schizophrenia and sociopathological behavior and blah, blah, blah. But the first thing, what if good, because most of us aren't affected by that. So I want to straighten out my life, mm -hmm. right? So what if God is good and only good? Okay, so then if that's so, well, then what if God is working for me rather than against me? Because that's my definition of good. Yep. Okay. But I got all this bullshit going on out here. What do you mean? Well, now, now I have to become ruthlessly honest with myself and I have to own the ways that I have created these scenarios, right? Right. So I used to be thirsty, right? I had a son before I was ready to become a father. Uh, I had uh, you know, other things that were tied to this stuff and, and it, uh, it, added, it, it added struggle, right? But I... And, and I wouldn't change any of it, right? My, my son is my most happy accident. I'm happy, you know, I mean, I couldn't have created that good in my life if I had set out to do it on purpose, right? right. And, uh, but what I'm saying is, so we, we identify the things that aren't working, but we're not, and we're taking responsibility, but we're not letting it define us, mm -hmm. right? So I have a chapter in there, I think called, we are not our struggle. Yep. And for years I did identify with that. Well, I'm just a screw up. You know, I had a kid out of wedlock. You know, I haven't paid my child support. You know, I became a drunk and, you know, uh, you know, I can't hold down a job, all that stuff. And uh, but once I once I became willing to take responsibility for things and then invite uh, uh, a God that I did not understand. And still today, if I'm honest about it, there are many times where I am completely freaking clueless. Right. And, but, but I know I have enough faith to know, even in the darkest times that there is a power for good in the universe available to everyone, even me, even when I screw up. And then I can access that. And all I have to do is to be still 
take a few minutes and then uh, know that part of the way that the spirit works is that there is a divine impress as guidance that uh, that I have to learn to trust. Right. After years of making <laughs> poor choices. Right. And, well, and I love that you're, you know, I love that you're sharing this because everyone can relate to not having a perfect life exactly. and not always, you know, and, and making mistakes and not always doing things the way that we probably should. Right. And so, but at the same time, it's this message that I'm hearing, which is suffering is optional. Yes. Yes. Because there's the actual pain and it's real. Let's face it. There's pain to life. Yes. I mean, we chose to incarnate. I mean, if you want to get esoteric, we chose to incarnate exactly at this moment with all the crazy shit that's going down right now. Yeah. We chose to incarnate at this time to give witness to it. Right. So the big question there is what are we going to do about it? Mm -hmm. Right. If we are called to do something about it, we can't just sit there and go, you know, wagging our finger. But if we're called to do something, then we need to step up. But uh, and so then I just got off on a complete digression. I have no idea what we were talking about. <laughs> suffering, suffering is optional. So no, so, I mean, yeah. so there's the right. pain. There's the pain, and then there's all the crap that we lump onto it. That's the suffering part. That's the optional part. And I'm not saying that it's easy. I'm just saying that it's optional, right? So yeah. if we, because I talk about e or consciousness in there too, right? Yep. So if we are used to, see, you know, life's a bitch and then you die. I've actually said that and meant it. Right. Right. That, you know, yeah. what's the use, man? I can't get a break from the man. I keep busting my hump and I still got more weak than paycheck. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, that's the way. Unfortunately, that's the way a lot of folks live. And <clears throat> unfortunately, Many folks take that upon them. That's not the part we need to take responsibility for. What we need to take responsibility for is what are we getting out of this story that we have that life's a bitch and then you die? What am I getting out of that? Am I getting some sympathy? Am I getting, uh, you know, support from the government? You know, am I getting, you know, a couple hundred bucks from my parents or my brother Mm -hmm. You know, whatever, am I getting sympathy, right? Will she stay with me if I act like I'm a pathetic little, I'll, I'll die if you leave me. <laughs> Please don't leave me, right? So, <laughs> you know, but, you know, I, I'm kind of making fun of that, but psychologically there is that thing. So in Buddhism, they call that attachments, mm -hmm. right? And it's our ability to be able to detach and to detach with love mm -hmm. and to detach free of judgment of ourselves first. Right. Right. To accept ourselves where we are, to understand that we are beautifully human in all of our creations and in, in, in all of uh, our imperfection and that we are acting out with the stuff that the creator However you see that to be, if it's in there, then it's all, then it's all part of this uh, creation. Mm -hmm. So then we can, 
our part in that is to awaken awaken to that like i asked the question in the book what if we all knew right because i talk about you know i'm actually more ain't than saint mm -hmm. right you know i can think of all the ways that i'm more of an ain't than a saint but what if what if we're all saints right right what right. if we are all saints yeah, yeah. then the task is to awaken to that you know, for me, it was like, well, you know, I'm willing to consider that it may be true. Mm -hmm. And then I started to identify the ways that, you know what? You're not sensitive. You're kind hearted. And that's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Right. You're not a crybaby. You're sentimental. That's not a bad thing. Right. Just don't do it around the guys. <laughs> well, I, like, I like that you, you have in the book too, you know, and I like how you go through each chapter and you really like bring to the forefront information that is for everyday people. And you talk about resetting the forms and how the answer is in your hands and how we are not our challenge and that life happens through us yeah yeah well and, and you know musicians i think intuitively know this too right that uh so i'm a wannabe guitarist and uh a blues guitarist uh, that and i've been playing the same songs for like 35 years which is really sad but but i do practice my scales and once in a while when improvising i can hit that zone where i'm no longer thinking about what i'm doing but it's just flowing through me mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so it's kind of like that right so that we are now improvising with the spirit mm -hmm. right so we set things intentionally so we set the forms Right. So I use the metaphor of concrete in that when we create a thought form and bring the substance of the divine into it, it fills that form. And what that substance then uh, uh, its manifestation then is what the demonstration of our life is in the same way that you set the forms in with forming concrete, you build the forms and then the concrete fills the space of whatever form you pour into that. And then when it hardens, of course, then you strip the forms and then you have the foundation or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, I've actually, there are things called ferro cement boats. There are actually boats made out of cement, right? The Hood Canal Bridge is, has concrete pontoons. So uh, that's why I used it as a metaphor because it's pretty amazing stuff. And um, that's probably way more than you wanted to know about building, but there you go. <laughs> well, and so to that, I mean, how do you respond when people say, well, I don't control what the government does, or I don't control, you know, these outside things that are happening. So how can you say that I get to control the form? Yeah, well, that's absolutely true. But we do, we, we can control our reaction to all of it. Mm -hmm. Right. We can't control the world of conditions, but we can control. Uh, uh, but we can step out of the control that they have over us. Mm -hmm. Right. And then there's a, an outlier in every system. So, uh, as you know, Sherry, Mary Morrissey talks about this. Right. Mm -hmm. So in the economy, 
in the COVID-19, in uh, our, when we're talking about groups, we're subject to statistics or what a guy named Thomas Troward called the law of averages. But we can step out of that with consciousness and be the outlier, right? That one, that one, so you have the bell curve and that's where everybody else falls underneath and the optimal is over here and then the low end is over here and then you have these one out here on their own, these bits of data, right? The outliers. Well, that's, that's where the power of consciousness can come in, that we can be the outlier to that uh, can navigate through the world of conditions and to know that yes, that they're real and I am, I can attune my thought to shift and lift the tendency of my thinking so that I can overcome even that. Right. I mean, our African-American brothers and sisters know this really well. The ones who are successful, right? See you, Christopher. Nice to meet you. <laughs> so uh, the, because of course there's been obvious struggle that has been within their life experience. And yet we see all kinds of folks who have managed to have, uh, I mean, we have now, uh, we've had a president, we now have a vice president, uh, we have a Supreme Court justice, you know, Herman Cain, God bless him. I'm sorry he had to go down with the COVID, but, you know, he, he was a successful CEO. You see what I'm getting at. Yeah. So that even these real systemic things that are in there, people can rise above them. You know, or the or the guy who really did come from, um, you know, broke conditions and managed to work his way up, right? I mean, those folks are out there. Um, so the possibility is there. So I think part of it is if we know that, there, you know, what if God is good and only good? What if God is working for me by working through me? What if there, this idea of the divine, however I define it, what if within that there are infinite possibilities for good available to me? Mm -hmm. right? Now, uh, like we, like one of my teachers uh, used to say, so you don't call up Amazon and just say, hey, I want something, right? <laughs> that doesn't get it done, right? Okay. You have to know precisely what you need. Not only that with with uh, Amazon, you need to know the ISBN number or whatever that stuff is, right? You have to have the right contact. Yeah, mm -hmm. Herman Cain died of the COVID about a month ago. So wow. uh, maybe two months ago. Anyway, um, I think I finished on that thought. Did so I? it sounds to me like you're saying we set our own rules. Yeah. Well, we we do, yes, and there there is. Um, well, no, I guess I guess that is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah. we can either set the rules for our expansiveness, or we can set the rules of our limitation. And the mm -hmm. challenge is, is that so many of us are used to living in that limited space. Mm -hmm. So I'll give, I'll give you an, another example in my own life. So I was raised Catholic. My dad's from Leitrim, an Irishman. Uh, and my mom was raised in Ireland during the war. And they've just both recently passed. God love them. But uh, my dad, when we lived in Ohio, I, would, I was always wanting to hustle and make a few bucks, right? 
So, so we lived in this uh, Air Force housing area and I would mow a lawn with a push mower for 25 cents. Can you believe I would have to argue for that but for 25 cents? So now it's dumped, it's winter and it's dumped, you know, a couple feet of snow. And so I want to go, I want to, Hey, I'm going to go make, you know, two bits for shoveling the walks because people can't get out of their house. And my dad says, no, you're going to go over there and you're just going to do it. I mean, what are you talking about? I'm going to get paid. No, that's not the Christian thing to do. You're going to go over there and you're going to uh, do their walks because it's the thing to do. And of course, then it was no longer optional <laughs> before before it was a financial, uh, a business uh, proposition, and now it's a chore. But but that mindset, right, that followed me into business, right? So it's it was an unconscious limitation. Of course, my dad didn't set out to put that in there, right? But But there was this kind of thing that, you know, to make money is not spiritual, right? Mm. Well, that's not really so. Right. It's it's not, you know, it's the love of money. It's not money. That's the root of all evil. It's the love of money. Mm -hmm. And so when you become obsessed with it and so forth. But, you know, again, you can do that with all kinds of things. And I could name five of them right now, but it would not be appropriate on a spiritual program. <laughs> so you all can fill in the blanks. There's all kinds of distractions out there. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, and I love how you bring all of this, all of this full circle. And, and, and so you've outlined the struggles. You've outlined how we can, you know, be more mindful. And now you get into chapter four and five and you talk about how to capture the moment and how that power is free and that power is available to all of us. And I, and you know, You've watched, you know, in the last 15, 20 years of my life, I mean, and you've seen how I've worked so hard on growing that part of myself and how to be present in the moment and master shifting anything in the moment. Right. Um, and what was it that you tried to really bring forward in those two chapters so that you're really helping people to be able to start to use this power themselves? Right. So... Uh, so in the fourth chapter, because I, I spent a lot of time thinking about thought and the power of thought. So in the fourth chapter, now I start kind of putting out little breadcrumbs about how maybe the spirit operates as thought. Now, I don't hit it hard yet because I'm saving all that because I was kind of just wanted to keep reading, keep reading, keep reading before I hit him with the God talk in, in the back end. Sure. But, but uh, because this is how I came to understand, it, it was a big concept at first, except in this way. So when, when we, for most of us, when we think about uh, God or the spirit, however we know that to be, uh, we, uh, sometimes get caught up on thinking of sky God, right? It's an old guy up. Well, most folks have kind of reasoned their way out of that, right? Right. And, but it, and so let's just take the, the Christian model, right? So uh, if it was a physical being, then there would have been no need for Jesus, for instance, 
-hmm. right? Because right. supposedly he's the only manifestation of that, which is another one of the things that I'm agnostic about. And the, uh, so, so now this tells me, okay, so then it must be spiritual. And if it's everywhere present and knows all things and has all power, then it must be a metaphysical aspect or energy of being, which is what thought is. So what if all of this is an emanation from the, from the very mind of the divine itself? What if the Big Bang was just the cosmic thinker having a deep thought that exploded into existence that coalesced atomically, molecularly, you know, creating molecules and elements and then eventually planets and worlds and galaxies and all the rest, all from one cosmic thought. Then in this way, everything has thought in it and everything is a field of thought, including the way that I think. And so how, if I am made in the image and likeness of God, when it comes to thinking, how is my thought life reflected in my outer world in the way that the thought life of the divine, now it's a theory, it's an opinion, it's a scientific, um, you know, approach to understanding how this thing may work. But uh, so then does it, does that mean that this energy had to coalesce until man could be, gain con until life became conscious and then through man became conscious of being conscious so much so that it then began to ponder the nature of itself and then discovered God. And how, how is that a less powerful idea than the world was created in six days or any of our other creation myths, right? So, it's, it gets a little more esoteric and there's a lot of big jumps, but in the spiritual life, there are jumps and all of them have paradoxes within them. And this is why we have faith, right? But we all practice faith, right? Whether we're resistant to spiritual ideas or not. I mean, even an atheist, an atheist steps out in faith because that's what marriage is, right? Marriage is putting your faith in the love of the other and in their love for you, right? That's really what it is. Now we put a bunch of window dressing on it and the successful marriage is the ones that are able to navigate that uh, are successful. Now, you know, it took me a couple of tries to figure that one out, but, <laughs> but when you find yourself in that place and, and, and the key to it was finding myself, my authentic self, that I no longer needed anyone or anything outside of myself, including my ministry or a book or my wife, right? My son, uh, you know, to define who I am. If I stay focused on that, then Mike's a pretty good guy. And then Mike can be responsive rather than reactive, Right. Hmm. And so in this idea of blue collar spirituality, of course, I'm I realize in a way I'm kind of writing a book to my younger. the book I wish I would have picked up when I was 30. Right. right. <clears throat> so I realize part of it is that. And part of it is the narrative of my own working life 
And, you know, I threw a couple nuggets of the struggle in there just to help folks to relate to it. Mm-hmm. Because, because the other component of this, that it's very hard to live a spiritual life if you're stuck in self-recrimination and judgment. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the saddest part about self-recrimination is if you're judging yourself that harshly, then you look outside into the world and then you're judging the world in the same way and and never as harshly as you judge yourself right so right. yes it's important to accept you know the chinks in the armor if you will right and to work to heal the ways that in 12 step they call them character defects but you know just ways of being that need to be healed right and some of it may be trauma maybe some of it may be deep trauma mm-hmm. some people have some se- serious stuff um, put upon them, you know, as children, mm-hmm. you know, that's real stuff. You know, you get, in, you get with a, a spouse who has a, a substance problem or PTSD, right? So, or, you know, for our, have all these veterans coming home now. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of work for the high vibe nation to do. So get busy. <laughs> Well, and I was just going to say, I love that you bring that up because I don't think any of us think that this is like, you know, here are some quick fixes, you know, go home and do this 10 minutes a day and that'll just fix it all. It's really that this just helps you to raise your awareness around some of these things so that we can then start to look at, objectively look at our situation and, and see the things that maybe we would like to change and yet not judge ourselves at the same time. Would you agree with that? Well, yes, and that it's doable, mm-hmm. right? So sometimes, I don't know if this, if you guys can relate to this, sometimes we don't start things because we think it's just such a huge thing, right? And yet yeah. every project, no matter how big it is, I mean, even Bill Gates had to write that first line of code as a little pinhead 10 year old or however old he was, right? The, you know, the computer geek that, you know, that people were stealing his lunch. You know, <laughs> you know I, I don't know if that's true. I'm making that up. But, but he had to start with that first line of code is what I'm getting at. And, and that's true for the rest of us, you know? And so it's, it, it is true, Sherry, that, you know, we have both witnessed one to the other, this unfolding of our life and uh, what I want the high vibe nation to know, and you probably already know this, Pamela, is that she's done the work, right? right? So you can't just read a book and think, okay, I'm now spiritual. <laughs> Let me go out into the world and bless them with my countenance, mm-hmm. right? No, it is a, it's spiritual living. It's a daily practice. And some days we're going to have an epic fail. We just will. Somebody caught us off and we'll give them a half a peace sign and, you know, and and then we catch ourselves and then, you know, uh, and then we just, okay, all right, time to reset. I I actually do a noontime reset on Facebook Live. Uh, You know, it's sometimes the commitment gets to be a bit much because I have to find a place for wireless to do it and all that. And I have to remember and blah, blah, blah. But I got to tell you, the person who's got the most benefit out of that is me, right? Because I remember, oh, 
It's noon. Why don't I say a prayer? Mm -hmm. Good idea, Reverend Mike. You know, <laughs> I think that would be like the first thing, right? In fact, I even speak to that in the book, right? I think yeah. many people think that ministers are like, uh, you know, but and and most ministers, if they're honest, would just laugh at uh, this idea of uh, you know this idea of being pious and so forth, because yeah. we're all we're all going through the same stuff, and we're all trying to get through life with as much dignity as we can muster, and yeah. uh, if we can come to it. And I think for our for our men, when they can step into the idea of being uh, uh, being soft hearted, right? That doesn't mean hard on the sleeve. And, and it's a consciousness, right? It's a consciousness of being responsive rather than reactive, and being willing to be seen that way. Yeah. Right. Because we're witnessing that to the rest of us. Right? So you take take a big guy like Gary, right, being soft-hearted with his two young daughters, and somebody witnessing, wow, that big freaking Nordic giant, <laughs> and he's just being so sweet. He's being so sweet with these little girls, right? Well, they're not so little now, right? But you know what I'm saying, right? Because you just never know the effect that you're going to have on others. Mm-hmm. And people are watching and, and that's a, that's a good, I mean, that's not why we do it, but I guess what I'm saying is that, you know, we can change the world in these ordinary ways. And I think this is what you're kind of getting at. Yeah. Uh, the book is, you know, it's, there are some concepts that are kind of a deep dive yeah. for sure. And it is kind of a hammer and nails approach to doing things because I just think it's a wonderful metaphor. It is how to rebuild our best life. Mm -hmm. And, um, mm -hmm. and I, I love what you guys are doing here, the high vibe nation. And I've watched your other presenters and I love their various aspects. Some of them are really kind of gung ho on the business side. And yep. then you get, you know, some old rough neck like me coming in, pitching his, his little angle, but all of, all of it works together, right? Yeah. yeah. For folks to create, our best life now and, and then our best life together. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So it's not enough for that we're just feeling all warm and wonderful, but then yeah. we, well, I mean, not that it's not nice. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm spending this time. Sure, with we can you. do that. We can but, create that experience if we want to. <laughs> yeah. And, and now it's up to us and I'll take that out into, uh, you know, our families and into our community. Mm -hmm. And that's where yeah. the real work begins. Well, you know, what's so funny is, is, um, so we've obviously, um, taught a course in miracles at our church. You know, that we've had that in our church for years. Yes. And interestingly enough, I've revisited it recently because it goes back to that message that I was given so many years ago in the light. And one of the things that really stood out to me today was how Marianne Williamson talks about how we think that joy is going out and achieving something. And we think that joy is creating success or creating happiness, or once I get it, I'll feel joy. 
and what she really defines is the idea of love. This idea of love is who we naturally are. And that when we realize if we could just wake up every single day and understand that it's our connection to love, it's already there. It's already part of us. It's greatest aspect has always been us. And if we could tap more into that by saying to ourselves, use me. And then if we're in those moments of feeling, you know, struggle or setback or challenge or judgment, whatever it may be, we can say to that part of ourselves, you know, release this from me and use me. Help me to see love everywhere. Help me to see love in every single person. How can I feel people up daily with more love? And I'm realizing too, a lot of it from in your epilogue. And you know, you're talking about the COVID-19. I've got it out that go over. I've gotten a little pushback on that. Yeah, but you know what? Listen, you said it in the very beginning. It's about being yourself. It's about you've discovered who you are yeah. and what you're bringing forward to the world. And I've got, I mean, I've known you for 20 years. I know who you are and what you bring to others and how kind and amazing you are. And I know how much you yourself have worked on being that. I mean, you've overcome the, the basic struggles of life and the challenges of life, alcoholism and anger and resentment and, you know, judgment and all these things that we all go through as human beings. But just like you've said to me, you address that in the moment and you release that from your place of awareness, conscious awareness. Yeah. And it's that idea you have about yourself that you reach for, you reach up for. That's, that's nice. We should write that down. <laughs> so, so listen, there is one thing that's missing in the book. What? So I don't talk about forgiveness in the book at all. Mm. So mm. it's kind of implied in mm. there. But I, when I was rereading, I said, oh, well, isn't that interesting? So I, I speak to, uh, you know, detaching from, uh, uh, you know, recognize that we have attachments and releasing things that no longer serves us and so forth. But of course, there, there is that component of forgiveness within that. And I do find it interesting that it's not in there, <laughs> but maybe that's another book, you know, I was just gonna say. forgiveness, you know, <laughs> okay. who knows? but, uh, but I did, you know, it is kind of interesting to have a book on spirituality and then have that implied rather than, uh, expressed. So. Mm -hmm. And I love that you bring that up because I think that forgiveness, we often think of it as being something that, you know, we do for someone else, but really often forgiveness is really something uh, we're really always that we're doing for ourselves as well. And, and even just forgiving ourselves is often a big first step. Yeah. Well, I, I totally agree with you on that because if we're all knotted up about stuff that we're carrying around within us, that shadow side of us, uh, you know, we we really can't. And no matter how connected we are in our life. Right. There's that one little, you know, the one little spiritual heisman that we're doing. Uh, and that is because of that. Right. That there's some little knot within us that we haven't healed yet. But, you know, that's a wonderful thing about spiritual practice. Right. We don't arrive. We're constantly evolving. And. um 
I think uh, to have a human life is uh, is a wonderful thing, and and uh, you know I feel blessed. I be, feel blessed to have been raised in America. Uh, you know I and for the many you know I feel blessed to have clean water to drink and a stove that lights when I turn a knob because <laughs> I've lived, you know, I've been in places where even today people are not living like that, you know? And okay. but so I do feel like we have, you know, this, this is the next thing, as I said in the, in the epilogue, you know, we do have, we are the hands. We are the hands that do the work of the spirit on this earth plane. And we have a lot of work to do. If we can get the race thing worked out, then climate change should be a cinch. Right? Really? Really? I mean, we have, you know, all these fires are going on. I don't know how things are up in Idaho, but, you know, seems like Washington State's on fire right now. My son went to Washington State, by the way. And um, so it's just we have so much work ahead of us to do. And we have to find a way to stay motivated and keep ourselves raised keep our vibrations high so that we can step out into the field of infinite possibilities for good and make them welcome collectively, you know, together. And um, that's a tall order, but, you know, we're, we can do it. We can do it. We just have to do it. I can't wait on Sherry to do it as much as I would love. I saw that picture of you on your Facebook page where you're doing the pose. And I'm thinking, man, I'd love to have arms like that. And if only I could pay Sherry to work out for me so that I could have those arms. <laughs> but it doesn't work that way, right? Um, anyway. oh my God. No, it's been so fun, Rev Mike. You know, I really have enjoyed all of the things you've shared and, and because I just love how you bring it down to earth and you, and, and it's like, yes, it takes work, but it, on the other hand, the way you explain it and the way you talk about it brings people right, you know, right to be able to understand easily. So thank you so much. I can't believe we made it through the hour. So please tell everybody, how they can get a hold of your book, Blue Collar Spirituality. Oh, it says right here, HTTPS. <laughs> yeah, so there's the link, or you can just Google Blue Collar Spirituality and put my name in, Mike McMorrow, and it'll probably come up. It's actually uh, somehow, don't ask me how this happened, it's number one in Christian ecumenism right now under new releases. So thank you. Amazon gods. <laughs> so, uh, apparently some people are buying it. And, uh, and, uh, and more importantly, you know, it's very gratifying to know that people are reading it and getting something out of it. So, uh, and thanks for this opportunity. It's been lovely to meet you, Pamela. Hope we do it in the flesh one of these days. And uh, yeah, we'll have to have a high vibe rave. Yeah. And noisy. <laughs> Yeah, all out of Los Angeles and Arizona. <laughs> we'll get the whole right. high vibe nation up there. Yeah. Come on up. Yeah. So share with the audience how they can find you through the church and, yeah, and so, where you're located. Also, meaning. Yeah. So yeah, and I just wanted to put this: if you're feeling knotted up by this crazy COVID thing, and you'd like some prayer support from 
you know, a maniac like me, I'm happy to be there for you. So if you see the website there, www.cslgh.org, you'll find my email there, or you can just email me at revmike at cslgh.org. And I'm on Facebook at Michael McMorrow. And I'm also on Instagram, but it is one of the cosmic mysteries how to work that freaking thing. So I don't know what's going on with that, but I know I have a page. And uh, so Sherry will have to coach me up on that one. Yeah, and tell them about our YouTube channel, our Sunday. Our YouTube, oh yeah, so you can watch us on um, you can watch us on YouTube, ten thirty Pacific time. That that too is at CSLGH, and uh, in fact, Sherry is our facilitator, so she manages the the chat room, and so you can chat and say hello to people. And uh, I will be actually speaking to Blue Collar Spirituality through the month of September. Uh, you can find my prologue in the book that I did uh, on Sunday, which isn't, it was a lot more fun, you know, speaking to 500 people live, I have to say. Um, but anyway, so you can skip the first six pages of the book right there. There you go. There you go. And tell them about meditation on Wednesday nights. Yeah. So tonight in, uh, let's see, in a, in an hour, my buddy Mike Carlin and I, we sit down again on the YouTube channel and I do what's called a healing meditation. So I yak for about 15 or 20 minutes, spiritually yak. I'm, it's very deep. You wouldn't want to miss it. And then uh, and then we just sit in the silence for 20 minutes. And but, and but I'll take you through it. It actually goes pretty fast. I'll take you through the technique. And then we do a little closing, what we call a mental treatment. So changing our thinking about the way that we see the world uh, and just knowing that we are living in a healed consciousness, a high vibe nation consciousness right now by just knowing that there is but one power, one presence, one source, one life, one living intelligence impressing and expressing itself as all of life and through the life of the high vibe nation that we know that all of the listeners and anyone connected to this channel in any way, that their lives are being raised and lifted to the highest vibrations of life, that they're experiencing love in all of its forms and wild prosperity, living life in the overflow. And from a, with a grateful heart, we just launch all of it now to the aspect of the mind of the divine that uh, knows only to say yes. Yes, my beloved. Yes, in you. You, 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 all of you, and you over there, I am well pleased. So let's just take a deep breath with that and release it and just know it's done. So that's what we do. And so it is. And so it is. Amen. I love really hanging with you, Sherry. We haven't had this much time together. And yeah. lovely to meet you, uh, Pamela, and really looking yeah. forward to meeting right. you down the line. Wonderful. Well, Pam, tell them how to find us on the web. Of course, you can find us on the web at thehighvibenation.com or on Facebook at The High Vibe Nation and also on Instagram at The High Vibe Nation. Awesome. Well, thank you, everyone. We appreciate our audience, as always. We appreciate you watching in on the replay. And until next week, Monday evening, we are live at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and on Wednesdays, 5 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. Until then, have an amazing rest of the week.
everyone. From everybody here at the High Vibe Nation, we want to say thank you for choosing to raise your vibration. And of course, please like, share, and subscribe. If you need to find us on the web, check us out at www.thehighvibenation.com. Looking forward to seeing you on the next episode and keep high vibing.